Hallelujah. Just a quick um, clarification. The barbecue is being organized by every one of us, um, but it's only only named Bankery. So I learned that some of us are thinking that it's a Bankery event. It's for all of us. And please, let's uh, avail ourselves of the opportunity to get the last of summer, whatever remains of it. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray before we hear the word of God. Heavenly Father, we come back to say thank you for all the love you've shown us. Thank you for a wonderful time we've had in your holy presence this morning. Thank you for all that you've got for us for the rest of this afternoon. We ask Holy Spirit divine that you will rest mightily upon each and every one of us and reveal the heart of the Father unto us. Speak, Lord, for your children are hearing. I pray that beyond the voice of man, may we hear the voice of God. And I ask, Lord, that needs will be met here today, but above all, Christ will be glorified. Thank you, everlasting Father, for you are ever so faithful and good. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Uh, the topic I will be sharing with us this afternoon, um, I think it's appropriate to just sing this hymn. Just this morning, it dropped in my heart. So if you know it, you may join me. Um, a good part of the message is in the song, or in the hymn, actually. And then I pray that from it we will be blessed. My eyes have seen the glory of the glory of the Lord. He's trampling on the mighty where the graves of God has stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible sweet sword. He's true Oh 
you very much. God bless you. We'll be talking about fight for your inheritance. We'll talk about fighting for your inheritance. And the text is taken from Nehemiah chapter 4, and I read verses 14 and 15. He said, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the world, everyone to his work. Praise the name of the Lord. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight. Tell your neighbor, fight. She has a neighbor. Fight who? We will get to that in a minute. Amen. The background to this particular passage is that there was this man called Nehemiah. He was a captive in a foreign land. And somehow God gave him a revelation that there was need for him to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the broken down walls of Jerusalem. So he went and he started work, but in the midst of that, there was the news that he had that some people were coming to disrupt the work that God sent him to do. And so, Nehemiah decided to call the people and encourage them to go ahead and fight. Now, this story of the book of Nehemiah is a very important one, I believe, to this generation. There is what is called a Nehemiah anointing. Um, it's a peculiar anointing, and God has desired that every local church, uh, God spoke specifically to us about that many years ago. I remember clearly that the Nehemiah anointing, we should covet it, and we should pray for it, uh, so that we can do what God has called us to do. Um, David, the king, he had what is called a fighting anointing. In 1 Chronicles 28, verse 3, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 3, the Bible told us about, please, we need to help you with the Bible verses. I know it's a lot of pressure there, but as quickly as possible. He said, but God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. So David had a fighting anointing, but not a building anointing. For Solomon, he had a building anointing. First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29. 23-25. First Chronicles 29-23. Now, for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might. That, sorry, 29-23. Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father and prospered. And all Israel obeyed him. 24 all the leaders and the mighty men and also all the sons of King David submitted themselves to King Solomon. So the Lord exalted Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him such royal majesty as had not been on any king before him in Israel. So, what kind of anointing do you think Nehemiah had? A building and a fighting anointing. As he was building, he was fighting. And so today, because of our time, I will zero in on the fighting part of the ministry of Nehemiah, of which the Lord has called each and every one of us into. Hallelujah. Why fight? Why do we need to fight for what God has planned and prepared for you, number one? Because what you have is worth fighting for. Is worth fighting for. Your faith is worth fighting for. We can't afford to just let the enemy deprive us of the blessing the Lord has prepared for us. In Jude chapter 1 verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary 
to write to you, exhorting you to contend. Somebody say contend. Earnestly. What does contend mean? Fight. Earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. You must fight for your faith. You can't just say, come see, come sir. If I lose, it is okay. Or where God has given me, it can't be lost. Don't believe that. An individual can willingly relinquish what God has given him. But you will not relinquish us in Jesus' name. What God has given you is worth fighting for. Your physical body is worth fighting for. In Mark chapter 10, 46 to 52, we saw there a man called Bartimaeus. The man fought for his sight. He was shouting and crying like no man's business. He was saying, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. He will not allow people to keep him quiet. I pray you yourself, you will not allow your mouth to be kept quiet in the name of Jesus. Fight for it. If you fight, you will win. Your finances is also worth fighting for. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7, 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7, there was a woman there who was impoverished because her husband left her debt. You know, there was this song before. You know, may you not leave debt for your children in Jesus' name. You know, I don't know whether you knew it. You know, those of you that had a little bit of history. I think it was sung by Temptation. Papa was a rolling stone. Does anybody remember this song? Papa was a rolling stone. He said, wherever he lay his head was his home. But when he died, all he left was, may you not leave debts and loans for your children. But you need to fight this time. It's worth fighting for. Even your children, they are worth fighting for. 4 Samuel 1, 8 to 18. 4 Samuel chapter 1, verses 8 to 18. Hannah fought tenaciously to have a child. She was praying in the temple until the man of God, Eli, thought that she had drunk it too much. And we shared that before. If anybody told many of us what Eli told this woman, we would have taken serious offense. Eli said, why are you so full of wine? The woman said, uh, you don't know, Lord. It's not wine. It's my condition. Fighters, they don't take offense until they win. Even for the children that are born in Matthew 15, 21 to 28, another woman fought there. She was called the Syrophoenician woman. And in her own case, she was also called names. Jesus, even the Lord said, we cannot give bread unto dogs. <laughs> Can you imagine being called a dog? But being a fighter, she knew what she was fighting for was worth fighting for. It's worth taking insult for. It's what people can call you names for. Tell your neighbor, fight. And I'm sure in the name of Jesus, you will win. Why fight? Number two, because losing to the enemy must never become a habit. Losing to the enemy must never become a habit. One defeat is one too many. In the place that I mentioned to you in 2 Kings chapter 4, there was a woman that was just playing with the devil until she woke up one day and said, enough is enough. The first thing that happened was that the husband, who was a son of the prophet, you can call that, a, 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 this husband was in a Bible school. The, the school of the prophets is like the Bible school that we have now, a theological college. And so the man was just not managing his affairs very well, and so the man was going in debt. But the woman did not know that she needed to fight at that time. Eventually, the devil took another step, killed the husband. The woman did not know there's something to fight for. Eventually, the enemy came. He said, I'm going to take the children away as well. Then the woman said, enough is enough. And she rose up and fought. And she went to the man of God. He said, this is my plight. And God rose up on her behalf. And everything was restored back unto her. She got her children. She got her finances back in line. I pray that we will not tolerate losing to the enemy in the name of Jesus. In Joshua chapter 7, verses 6 to 11, Joshua, at the first loss that she ha he had, he snapped. Israel went to battle and they lost. <clears throat> Joshua did not say, well, he investigated. So if anything happens, you must investigate. In your investigation, you must come up with exactly the mind of God. What is God saying? Why is it like that? 
You don't need to question God, but you can ask God questions. You know, you can ask him questions. You can ask him questions respectfully. Lord, is there anything I could do? Is there anything I should have done? Is there anything you are saying to me in this situation? Learn to ask him good questions. And so, Joshua went back to God and asked questions. And God said, simple matter. You should not have been defeated, but there was sin in the camp. And that sin in the camp was dealt with. Number three, reason why you need to fight. Because you can win, you will win, and you have actually won. Because why fight where you know you can't win? You understand that? It's no point going to battle when the person knows. So your victory is settled already. That's why you need to get up and fight. It's almost a formality for you. If you will make up our minds to fight the enemy. Because in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, he said, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Number four reason why you need to fight. Because quitters are not winners. May the Lord give us a winning mentality in Jesus' name. I say again, may the Lord give you a winning mentality in the name of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, God hates those who turn back. You know, many people at the first sign of opposition, they just, you know, turn. They, they, they throw in the towel. They said, I can't do this Christianity anymore. It's too hard. When I signed up for it, I didn't know that there will be difficulty with jobs. I didn't know that it will take so long to have marital matters sorted out. I didn't know there will be challenges in this area or that area. Quitters are not winners. We must fight. Tell yourself, I will fight. And I can assure you in the name of Jesus, you will win. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, if anyone turns cold, if anyone decides to leg it, if anyone says, I'm not doing anymore, he said, my soul has no pleasure in that person. Wow. God does not want those who will run. He wants those who will stand and fight. And as you fight, one more time, I say, you will win in Jesus' name. How shall we fight? Fight is primarily a military thing. And so, it's wise for us to look at it from a military point of view. Number one, there are strategies and tactics, and they are different. Strategies are the plans, the schemes, and the devices to outwit the enemy. They are the big plans. They are the, we will go frontal. We will set an ambush. I will, we will first tenderize them. By doing carpet bombing in our times, in our time. So those are strategies. And Bible has given us strategies for this warfare as well. But tactics are smaller implementation of the strategies. They are specific maneuvers. Specific maneuvers you need to make to win the battle. Only two strategies for this war. Hallelujah. Only two. Number one is the defensive strategy. And surprise, surprise. The bulk of our warfare is actually defensive. Some of you are wondering, what is he saying? <laughs> you have heard this said before. That attack, uh-huh. Uh, you never heard that before? Attack is... Well, I would say if you have a good defense. And uh, some of you are probably... <laughs> Thinking around it, yeah, that could be right because you know football teams very good in attack, rubbish in defense. They don't win leagues. They don't. Don't buy that. You, you, you can say you just don't attack if you don't if you don't have your rear guard taken care of. In actual fact, let me tell you from the Bible first, and I come back to the day-to-day -day example you can relate to. David made that mistake one time in First Samuel, I think, chapter twenty-nine. Starting from around verse 6. Please put that up for me. You made a mistake there. I pick a few verses there. That you must defend first. Defend your ground before you start attacking. Hallelujah. Alright? Have you got it there? And then Akish called David and said to him, Surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright and you're going out and you're coming in with me in the army is good in my sight. For 
To this day, I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the lords do not favor you. That is, the, 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 the army chiefs do not favor you. Good. Go to the next verse, please. Therefore, return now and go in peace that you may not displease the lords of the Philistine. So David said to Achish, but what have I done? So the rest of the story was that David then left you know, not following them, he was going to go with this man. The man did him some favor before, you know, when Saul was chasing him all over the place. So the man said, stay with me here, that's okay. And so somebody came to attack Akish, and David said, well, it's only good tongues deserves uh, another, isn't it? So I will, I will help you out. So the man, so the people were suspicious of him. They said, don't go with us. Anyway, by now, David has left his own camp. He's left the little village that he has built with his 400 men who had gone into possibly thousands now. So he was already a town and an authority in himself. But verse 30, verse 1 says, Now it happened when David and his men returned to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag and burnt it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there. David did not take care of defense. He was going to attack. He didn't take care of his rear guard. So defense is not a maybe or may do it. It is so sad. And I'll tell you what Christian defense means. I don't know. I follow sports a little bit. And sport speaks a lot to me. Because it's just, you know, most of, a lot of Bible verses were around sports in those days. Uh, First Corinthians chapter 9 was talking about the gladiatory things that they were doing in the times of Romans. How, you know, in my First Timothy, I think chapters 2 and 3 talks about a man. So a lot of gladiatory things. So I just use an example for you. Who is your best boxer ever? Anybody here? Muhammad Ali. All right. So those of you that don't, so those of you that don't follow boxing or sports, so we'll lose you for a few moments. Eh? Mayweather. Very good. All right. Do you know that those two were not liked by many people? You know why? Did anybody know one man called, um, sorry for my voice, it might be a little bit high pitched, just you live with it today, you shall clear by tomorrow. Amen. Do you, does anybody know a man called Joe Fraser? What's his other name? Smoking Joe. Now, yeah, no, it's not, it's not because he's smoking anything. Uh, we didn't know whether he smoked anything. All right. You know why it was called Smoking Joe? Smoking Joe was a man very, very weak in defensive boxing. But he, was, he had one of the most potent punches. So what Smoking Joe does is that he gets to the ring, he allows you to box him as much as possible. He said, all I need is just one to land on you. But he never became the greatest. Simply because he gets so battered most of the time that even before long, he gets knocked down or before long, in fact, his career didn't last that much. But there was another man. This man you call Muhammad Ali. He would spend the bulk of his time making sure, if I, you know, he had a very pretty face. And so he guarded that pretty face so well that nothing would touch him. You even think, is this man serious at all? He was an expert in defense. And so over time, he would just look, I need one attack. As long as you don't knock me down, there's a chance I can knock you down. Don't you know that? As, as long as the devil does not knock me down, there's still a chance. If I'm just chasing after knocking you down and I'm not preventing you knocking me down, well, my knocking you down might just be a dream. You must be strong in defense. You must be strong in protecting yourself. I was talking about football before. All right, another test for us. All right, hallelujah. Sunday afternoon was today, the 16th of August. All right? They've played so many World Cups, amen? All right? Um, who, which nation won the most World Cups? How many? Five, all right? Which nation followed in winning the World Cups? Germany, how many? Good. Any other nation we fall? Italy, good, all right? Which nation won two? That is a very, I, I hope you read your Bible, not just sports. <laughs> because I will do Bible tests as well, and I want good answers. Well, you, you should find out whether I do read my Bible as well, amen? All right, so uh, which of them won two? How many won two? No, Spain won one. Uh -huh. Uruguay won two. Good. Which other nation won two? Argentina. All right. Which other nations have won the World Cup? <laughs> Thank you, England. 
And which other one again? And France, okay? Now, between all, between all the World Cups that have been played, only eight nations have won. It's not fair, is it? Three nations between them, they won eight plus five, 13. Do you know that before we come to the one that won the most, which was Brazil, do you know that Germany and Italy, they were primarily, which kind of playing? Defensive. I never loved watching Italy, but they kept winning. I remember the match they played against, was it Nigeria sometime? If, eh? Cameroon. Was it Nigeria? All right. Whatever. Whichever name they played, they lost anyway. <laughs> but the strength of that team was their defense. I want to drive home this issue of defense very well. Somebody hear what I'm saying. And so, you may not like, people may, you may, defense is not what people see outside. It's what you use to reinforce us. In fact, defense is what gives you stickability. Defense is what gives you longevity. Some people, they start out in the Christian life, attacking everywhere, but they have not got a solid defense. Not long, they find themselves going down. You will not go down in the name of Jesus. So, you must make sure that this area of our life is very strong. So... What is this strategy, or what are the tactics that are involved in this Christian strategy, sorry, in this strategy of defense? What are the tactics that are used in it? Are you following me right now? And, and if you want me to use the Bible for you, let's just, of course we have to, let's just quickly look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18, before I start listing out the um, tactics that are used. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, <clears throat> Ephesians 6, uh, reading from verse 10. He said, finally, my brethren, uh -huh, uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the old armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Amen. Amen. For we do not wrestle against flesh and but against principalities against against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places therefore take up the old armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to how many stands have you come across yet you are not counting go back to verse 11 Put on the old armor of God that you may be able to, number one, verse 13, that you may be able to withstand. And in the same verse, in the evil day, it says, and having done all to, number 14, stand therefore, having guarded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shot your feet with the preparation of of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. If you do a good count there, there are five defensive um, weapons or, 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 or apparel. It talks about the truth, which is the belt, okay? It's defensive. The righteousness, which is the breastplate, is defensive. The helmet is defensive. Even the shield of faith is what? Defensive. The gospel of peace, which is the shoe, is defensive. Which one is for attack there? The sword of the spirit. So, all back to the fact that you need to defend your ground, number one. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. The Lord Jesus Christ said clearly, he said, I send you forth as sheep amongst wolves. Be ye as wise as, and as armless as doves. Know how to walk your way around. Don't let them catch you. That's the long and short of it. And of course, in, my, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, he said, guide or watch your heart, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So all this, they are there for us to know that this strategy of defense is biblical, it is important, and we must never take it lightly. Hallelujah. Number one tactics in the 
strategy of defense, holiness. Holiness simply means separation from the world system or the way the world does its own things and conformity to the ways of God. Hallelujah. Separation from the way the world does its things. The worst way is it does not matter to have sex outside of marriage. The worst way is that one can live a perversive sexual, can, can, can engage in perversive sexual practices in or out of marriage. So it is important for us to know that this righteousness thing is a defensive weapon. Righteousness is like a garment. When you wear it, the enemy sees it shining from a distance and they begin to give you some respect. It's also a form of protection because the breastplate of righteousness, when they try to put a dagger or a spear or a javelin through the heart or the, the, the vital organs in that person, it's not possible because, and the person is not even throwing anything at all. It's just don't hurt me. And that's what holiness does. It prevents us and places us in a place in which we will not be hurt by the enemy. Psalm 132 verse 9. Psalm 132 verse 9. It says, let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Amen. Amen. And let your saints <clears throat> shout for joy. In Exodus 28, verse 36, Exodus 28, verse 36, it speaks clearly that the robe that the high priest we wear in those days, we have inscribed across his chest, what? Holiness unto God. Holiness unto the Lord. So how do we do this in practical terms? What is holiness in practical terms? Watch yourself. Amen. Because the enemy is watching you. But thank God the enemy is not omnipresent. It's not omniscient. It's not omnipotent. So that's why when people take some wrong turns in their lives, in the work of their holiness, nothing may happen immediately because the enemy has not even discovered there's a gap. It's only when it comes around, just as it says in the book of Matthew, you know, and book of Luke, chapter 24 to 26, Luke 11, 24 to 26. He said, it's when a spirit is cast out of a person, he goes around into all the dry places, then when he cannot stay there anymore, he comes back, and then he sees the place that says, ah, there's a gap here. So it's when he sees the gap. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says the heart of men is set in them to do evil because, he, because the judgment is not visited upon them speedily, in paraphrase. He said because judgment is not visited. Sometimes we get away with many things. It's simply because, and because of the mercy of God. Anyhow, if the enemy comes back and discovers there's a gap, and say, wow, this one is sweet, and just go and get more demons and come in. Make sure your garment is always there. If there's any error, correct it immediately. Amen. First John chapter 1, verse 9, confess, yes, if we confess our sin, is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mistakes will be made, errors will be made, sins one may fall into, but don't linger in it, hallelujah. Because if one lingers in it, one is joking with a major defensive tool or defensive weapon. And God forbid, the enemy might just be lucky around the corner. Part of holiness is not only for you to watch yourself, it's also to let God watch you. Stay continually in his presence. Allow him to shine his light upon you so that you will not be a prey to the enemy. What is number two tactic of, in this strategy of defense? Stay in the park. Amen? Stay in the park. I should have drawn this on a slide. Please, if you can just quickly arrange for me to have a chalkboard, it just occurred to me that I might need to do that now to round up this defensive strategy. If I just have a whiteboard, please, uh, I will need this in a five minutes or less. Amen. Stay in the park. What does that mean? Have you watched some of these films or videos before? Maybe on, you know, uh, Discovery Animals. You know, you see, if there's, uh, there's all this particular one, I watched it yesterday, I 
haven't got the time. I could have cut that clip for you. It's too long. I could have cut it for you or sent it to multimedia. They will have cut it for me. I'll show you. It's, I will try and describe it, but I hope you will get it. And I just want to drive on this issue of stay in the park. That is stay with others because that is where safety is. There, was the, there were these um, pride of lions, you know, a group of lions, a family. And then um, they then saw a, 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 uh, a herd of buffaloes, a, a, a number of them, quite a large number of buffaloes. So they were just running, and I think it's in part of the Savannah area, or sorry, and it should be East Africa, it's probably not Savannah anyway. To cut the long story short, it happened that the lions, they were chasing the uh, buffaloes, and then somewhere along the line, one of the lions got cut off from the rest. And the buffaloes, I've never seen them do things like that before. You know, I, I'm a stickler for the underdogs. Because I've seen a single lion before run amongst buffaloes, scatter them, corner one of them, and keep them. Even you've got big hooves, you are bigger. You should be able to fight back. But this time they fought back, and I was happy. Maybe I shouldn't. So there was this particular, so the, the, the buffaloes, they really went for it. And they were going for this lion. And the lion knew where there's problem. So ran up a tree and climbed on the tree. No, they are not as good climbers. Cheetah can't climb at all. Hyenas can't climb because their front legs are longer. Cheetahs can climb better. Lions can climb there. Leopards, they are probably one of the in-betweens. But lions in between there. So it wasn't particularly a good climber. Anyway, climbed the tree and was old enough for their life. I don't know, buffaloes, they got sense like that. And they were shaking the tree like that. I mean, shaking, shaking, shaking the tree. So the, the, the lion will cling on, they shook, shook. So the, the lion said, you know what I will do? I will leg it. So the lion came down and was about to run. They said, no, way. they circled the lion and they eventually, you know, decimated the lion. Can you imagine the king of the jungle? As powerful as lion is. You know what killed him? It was outside of the park. There's no way they could have dealt that to him. Stay within the park, no matter what happens. God will take good care of you in the name of Jesus Christ. In 1 Kings chapter 19, let's just quickly use... Uh, a Bible reference to, and it does not matter how anointed you are. <clears throat> it's not an anointing matter. It's a strategic matter. Amen. Can be anointed and not be strategic. Might not know what to do. And the story was about this man, Elijah. You, you heard about him before. Elijah was a prophet, mightily used by God, but he was a lone ranger most of the time. You remember? Okay. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. Okay, let's start from verse 11. Um, so then he said that God said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. Please follow me reading the Bible. The scripture is very instructive, better than my words the scriptures are. But after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire... But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he rubbed his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, turned down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. <laughs> and they seek you to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Azael as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mehola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. End of ministry. The man, as anointed as he was, and that's why your own story will be written one day. The mistake you made, the mistake I made will be. <laughs> but that doesn't stop God in his mercy taking us to heaven. So we are talking about this now, not because we are better. We are talking about that because God has made it available unto us. An anointed man, but he was, always, and God said, your solution is not in hiding alone. Even when I come to the earth, Jesus must have been telling him, if you will hear, I will gather unto myself, as we were told in Mark chapter 3, verses, starting from verse um, 14 or so, that he called unto himself, 12, that they will be with him. Don't stay alone. 
After all, my anointing is going to be without measure. That's Jesus. But Elijah was saying, and God said, your solution is go and stay amongst human beings. And stay with human beings. Then you'll be less depressed. And that was the first time he had a servant. But immediately his successor got there, he got a servant. He got somebody with him. Stay in the path. Stay in the path. Even Jesus needed people. Hallelujah. Because in Matthew chapter 26, Matthew 26, 36 to 41, he asked them to pray for him. He asked them to pray for him. All right? So, how many taxes do we need to use? How many maneuvers do we need to use when we are fighting with this defensive strategy? How many? Two. Number one? Okay? Because holiness is a garment that you wear. Amen? And when the enemy sees it, he will recognize you. Also, it's bulletproof. Amen? Number two is what? Stay with others. Number three, run for cover. <laughs> you probably are wondering where is that coming from? I didn't say run away. I said what? An orderly retreat is a great tactic. Did you hear me say that? When soldiers retreat orderly, I'm not talking about scattering about. You see that the enemy is overpowering. You see that you have not got your things right. It is the time for you to look for cover. Then the general will say, okay, okay, no more advance. Everybody, we're going to take this route back. Some of you cut them off here. We're not going to go ahead and fight them, but we're going to retreat. Jesus Christ said that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 23. Some of us, we love fight, fight, fight. Everything is not just fight, fight. There are time to retreat. Amen. He said, when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Hide under the cover of Jesus. What are the cover that Jesus provides? Number one, is love. Psalms chapter 2 verse 4. We're talking about your defensive tactics that will make it impossible for you to lose battles from now on in the name of Jesus. And we've said that if you keep yourself in holiness and watch out for what God wants you to do, if you stay in the path with other children of God and you are not a low ranger, if you run for cover under the love of Jesus, Psalms chapter 2 verse 4, he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Number two, cover is the blood. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24, run under the blood, daily run under the blood. Don't just keep going on a limb. Don't just go and give out. You know, I want to fight. I want to fight. I want to. It's good. I will talk about fighting later. But most importantly, make sure you are covered. Amen unto that one. Hebrews chapter 4, 24. He said to the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Of course, he got that from Exodus chapter 12, verse 23. Exodus 12, 23, where the blood of covering was used to prevent them being attacked. When I see the blood, what did he say? I will pass over you. Number three, cover for your life must be the name of Jesus. Proverbs 18, verse 10. Proverbs 18, verse 10. What does he say? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, the man that has got that, number one, uh -huh, will run into it. And what will happen? And that is why I come to the final picture that you need. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Number one, cover for yourself is holiness. And that is you standing there being covered with holiness. You get two eyes and ears. Hallelujah. Then outside of you will be the group that you belong to. The fellowship of believers. That also serves as a cover for you. Or the church, the visible church. Don't go keep saying, I don't know who is a, is a child of God or not. The ones that say they are, walk with them. <laughs> yeah, walk with them. Number three is what? Somebody tell me that one. Christ himself, isn't it? So that's why we say, and of course, if you want to take it all the way, I think to Colossians, he said, we are hid in Christ and Christ in God. So that is Christ in who you are in the church, and church is in Christ. Tell me which devil will penetrate you from here. You are safe there. And that's your defensive ring 
must always be around you. And when you have it, victory is certain in Jesus' name. Because of our time, very quickly, we're now going to look at the offensive strategy. You can't keep defending without attacking. One of the days, if you don't watch it, somehow your defense may fail. So you need to attack. What is the purpose of the attack strategy? Number one is to take new territories and to take back what has been stolen from you. And your tactics are very straightforward. Prayer and fasting is part of that. It's a maneuver. It's a maneuver. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, mentioned in Matthew chapter 17, verse 21. He said, this one does not go but by fasting and prayer. What fasting and prayer done as a tactic of the offense is that it weakens the, the baggage that you carry in your physical body so that your spirit will be freer to go and fight. So you are sharper when you are praying and when you are fasting. And so, your attack will be sharper. It's like sharpening your weapon. Of course, the main number one tool in your hand is the word of God. And may I ask you, please, build a lot of redundancies. That's what they, I don't know whether it's, it's a common, I think it's an IT word. Redundancy means that give yourself a lot of slack. Give yourself a lot of extras. Don't just fast enough for your situation now. Fast as if that if anything comes, this extra fasting and praying will take care of it. The hundred days for everybody, praise God for that. That's not the end of your fasting for the year. Hallelujah. You must fast regularly. You must pray regularly. It's part of your weapon to attack the enemy and leave yourself enough room so that when the enemy comes knocking, you'll be able to win. Number two, because of our time, I need to move on very quickly. Obedience. Obedience itself is a tool. In Luke chapter 5, verse 5, Luke chapter 5, verse 5, the obedience of Peter the apostle won him a lot of professional and career blessing. But Simon answered and said to the Lord, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Nevertheless, at your word, I will lay down the net. And of course, the rest of the story was that he caught a lot of fishes simply because he obeyed. When God tells you to do something, do it before you set out to fight. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 10, that should be our last, uh, possibly our last verse. 2 Corinthians 10, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Amen. Um, for the weapons, yes, they are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down the arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Amen. You are only ready to attack the enemy after you yourself have been obedient. And remember, spiritual attack is only commands. It's not, there's no somersault in it. Spiritual attack against the enemy is in the name of Jesus, get out of here. In the name of Jesus, I resist you. That's all your attack. You don't carry gun. We don't use gun. Guns are useless. Bombs are useless in the spiritual realm. You can't bomb a demon. No matter how much you try. Even our words are useless. You can abuse a demon from now to tomorrow. It's only the word of God that we work. And so I'm asking us, brothers and sisters, friends, that from today, we will stand our ground and fight the enemy. And as you fight, you will be victorious in the name of Jesus. I say you'll be victorious in the name of Jesus. Just before we pray, and, you know, still got a few minutes left before we pray, I will ask that you check yourself, first of all. Amen? Looking words. Number one, check you need to do. Have I been sufficiently fortified? Have I been sufficiently fortified? Some of us, we had a little bit, we grew up in idolatrous communities. 
where people talk about, go and fortify yourself. Have you heard of that said before? You say you go to some occultic person, they go and do some things for you. There's no fortification greater than this one. And your number one fortification is that you surround yourself with the holiness of God. And then stay in the place of the presence of God. Stay in Jesus Christ. And that's why this morning, I will pray just one prayer for you. Hallelujah. And I pray that prayer in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be going from victory to victory. And all of us shall be growing from victory to victory in the name of Jesus. You want to rise on your feet with me? And I will just pray. But before I pray, I hope you have been talking unto God. You've been bearing your heart out unto him. You don't need to worry. Maybe you have not been as defensive, you know, as you ought to be. Your, 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 your defensive wall had been broken or weak through some practices that you know are not pleasing unto God. That shall be rebuilt again today. And you'll be able to stand strong in the Lord. So I just want you to just, in the quietness of the moment, check your own heart. Maybe something is not right somewhere. And what is not right does not necessarily need to be that you have murdered somebody. Does not need to be that you have done some things that will make the jaws of those that hear you to drop. It might be a simple disobedience. But God is saying today that we can turn a new leaf in here. That we can start afresh. The enemy shall not defeat you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because he will strengthen you. I say he will strengthen you. The Lord will be a shield round about you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the authority and ability to fight back. You will walk in it day by day in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whether the attack you are facing is an emotional one. Whether it is a physical one in form of sickness or whatever. The hand of the Lord is more than able to defeat the enemy on your behalf. He says, do not be afraid. Fight. Fight for your house. Fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons and daughters. And I know as you go into the week, you will go in the fighting mood. You will go in the conquering mood. And you will never lose any battle again in the name of Jesus. So, talk unto God and make things right. The first set of people I want to pray for closely today are those people who, for one reason or the other, you have discovered in your life that somewhere along the line, somewhere someplace, that things are not right. They are just not what they should be. I want to join my faith with yours today so that together God can bring restoration. Possibly you don't even have a knowledge of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You come to church, but you don't know him. All these things we're talking about, you know, holiness is something so far-fetched. But God is able to turn it around for you. So that those rings of protection shall be around you. If you want to just, you want God to do that for you today, please lift up your hand so that I can pray for you quickly. Wherever you are in the house, lift up your hand, upstairs, downstairs, to the left or the right, quickly. We haven't got much time. God bless you. God bless you. All eyes closed, please. It's a most solemn and important moment in this meeting. God wants to bring people back to the place they ought to be. All eyes closed, please. So if you're in the end of the two categories I've mentioned, you want God to bring you back to where you ought to be, please lift up your hand and quickly. Want, God bless you, sir. There's a hand there. God bless you. Lift it very well, sir. Lift it very well. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you, ma. I think I hand there. Hallelujah. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, ma. God bless you, ma. Hallelujah. Another person there. God bless you. God bless you. Please lift those hands very well. They will give you a sleep and I will pray for you. I've got another hand there. God bless you to my right here. That's another hand there to my right. To my right. To my right here. To the right of the hall. That's another hand there. Give it unto them. Give the papers unto them. Hallelujah. All eyes closed. And your life will never remain the same again. Today is your day. It will never remain the same again. Please take one more step. Come forward for me. And I want to lay hands upon you. Remember, you must remain in the park. It's part of the deal. You must be in the park. 
And part of the park is that there is an opportunity to, may, to minister to one another. So please quickly come. You're probably the only people that I will lay hands upon today to pray for you. Please quickly come, quickly come, quickly come. God bless you, sir. Hallelujah. God bless you, man. God bless you. God bless you. Upstairs, downstairs, anywhere where you lay your hand, God bless you. The hand of the Lord is mighty upon you. He has identified you. It's not me that identified you. He identified you. He knows that that ring of protection must be around you. He knows that there are probably a chink in your armor. And he says, I want to fix it for you today. And his faith is outstretched hand. He will meet with you in a mighty manner in the name of Jesus. Everywhere, wherever you are, please come to the front right now. I want to pray for you. Keep praying for yourself as well. Keep praying for yourself, brothers and sisters. And believe God that you too, you will never be outside of that ring of protection. That the defensive weapon over your life shall not in any way be broken. Pray for your children. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. Pray for your job. Pray for your career. That God refends everything about me. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Please, choir, continue to minister for me. I want to pray specially for these people. Continue to minister for me there. While the church are calling on him, call on the name of the Lord. Yes, Lord. Some of you there right now, the Spirit of the Lord is revealing unto you the area that you are not okay. Just make it right with him. But if you want to join, join those that are here. Oh, we worship you, Father.
If we only just lift all our hands to the heavens and lift mine as well. Father, this very moment we ask in the name of Jesus that you recommission every one of us anew into this glorious battle of which the Lord Jesus is our commander-in-chief. And so, Lord, all the defenses that we need, all the attack machines and maneuvers that we need, oh God, release upon us today in the name of the Lord Jesus. We pray as we go forth to bring souls into your kingdom. Wheresoever we have been defeated before, we shall never be defeated again in the name of Jesus. The battle you have called us to is for the souls of men. And so, Lord, we receive a renewed recommissioning today. We receive a new order today. As a group of people in this city and this nation and in the world you have created, by your power we shall go forth and conquer in the name of the Lord Jesus. We can see the glory of the Lord going before us, singing glory, glory, hallelujah. And so from today, oh God, put sprint back in our feet in the name of Jesus. Put strength back in our arms in the name of Jesus. Let every opposition ahead of us be broken in Jesus' name. You that have been struggling to break through in your career and business, the Lord is making a new way for you. And through that new way, you will testify of his goodness in the name of Jesus. I command every sickness in this room to bow to the name of Jesus. I come in ready by the grace of God in defense and in attack against you. Sickness, we break your power over the life of the people here right now in the name of Jesus. And you will be free to possess your possession. And the Lord God of heaven and earth shall be glorified. By the special grace of God, Lord, and your backing, we shall fight. We shall win. And in Jesus' name, we have won. Father, I declare once again, as many as their hearts are united with me on this matter, and they say their amen, let it be so. I say, Lord, we shall stand and fight and win in the name of Jesus. Fight, we will fight. And win, we will win. And the name of the Lord shall be glorified. Thank you for all the previous victories. Thank you for the victory of yesterday. Thank you for the one you have wrought today. Thank you for tomorrow. Because they are all settled in you. Take all the honor and glory, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Somebody shout, I'm a winner. In the name of Jesus.